This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gruciola, and me, Amanda Smith. We've got the producer, Jason Flail, uh, which means hello, disaster divas. We are back for another episode, and I know we just gave you Meteor, but we're going to dive into the classics again for the namesake of our rating system with the towering inferno and for a most special movie we have a most special guest along with me jordan cruciola and my co-host amanda smith we have april wolf journalist critic screenwriter april wolf hello (laughs) (laughs) thanks to be here yes thank you for joining us this evening april this was this was your this was your pick yes um why why the towering inferno? Okay, it is sentimental mm-hmm. for me. Uh, when I, my now husband and I were separated apart, when I, I was in LA and he was in Portland, and we were just like, "How are we going to keep this relationship together?" Mm-hmm. We decided to start watching movies at the same time on Netflix, mm-hmm. like hit play at the same time, mm-hmm. and then um, uh, get on the phone and watch it together. And the first movie that we did that with was The Towering Inferno, and it was a resounding success, Yeah, <laughs> and it helped save our relationship as we connected <laughs> over this wild movie. Wow. That's like, a solid three hours of connecting, too. Yeah, it was like a full-on date that we had <laughs> yeah. over the phone. Because when you're long distance, it's like hard to find nah. things to talk about for very long. Sure. Or, hmm. And FaceTime is excruciating, because you're just like I feel like I have to perform for yeah. you. Or yeah, you can't make any weird faces when you're Facetiming no. someone. No, but when you're doing this, it's mm-hmm. like it's okay if there's silence, and then you can kind of just right. like riff on it and be like, "What?" And they're like, "That's insane." <laughs> and it feels like you're right there with them. And this was a perfect movie to do that with. I'm yeah. taking notes right now on this. By the way, it's very <laughs> helpful. Yeah. It's very when Harry met Sally. I like it. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, because <laughs> they no do wonder that with it Casablanca in When Harry Met Sally. They but he's like she, they're on the phone. And she's like turn on this channel when it, Casablanca's on, and they sit there and watch it together it's on the so phone funny. together. I didn't oh, man. Even see her, When Harry Met Sally until Sophia Tikal told me to watch it. Uh, Wait, that would have been like in the last year then. Yeah, on the way to wow. New Zealand to film Black Christmas. That's, what? And yeah, hadn't seen on it? the plane. Yeah, an exciting an exciting detail about our co-host April is that she co-wrote the uh, horror movie the reimagining of the beloved 1974 sort of cult classic black christmas she co-wrote it with director sophia to and it is in theaters now and i personally think it is a great fucking time oh yeah and i did not see it because i am a coward but did buy a ticket so <laughs> even if you don't particularly like watching horror movies she just buy it. a ticket there you go to it regardless and then sit on your sofa and watch killing eve because that's somehow less scary what you would have been fine in this movie. Really? No, because here's the thing is that I know that they'll never an international assassin will never come after me, but a masked murderer might. I am not important enough for a villain. And the patriarchy definitely. No, the yeah. patriarchy is coming for you. Right. So that's the thing. Like that's way riskier than I'm just I'm I'm so low on the totem pole that if if an international assassin's coming from me. 
suddenly one of my ex-boyfriends has way more money than they ever had before. <laughs> I do have to ask, uh, where are you in Killing Eve? I finished the first season and then it's it suggested- extremely important to me just to know that and then you've watched the I finale of season one. I just finished the season one finale and mm. then it suggested Handmaid's Tale Ooh. yet again on Hulu and I was like, stop it, Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> no. And then instead I put on uh, Mary Tyler Moore, which was a really good transition, I but thought. why does Hulu keep suggesting weirdest shit when you're done with shit? Like, <laughs> what? oh, my oh God. I guess you want to watch a little bit of Fry and Lori. Like, why <laughs> would you ever think that? <laughs> I watched Marriage Story last night. And look, I get that it's another Netflix original, but yeah. the immediate prompt afterwards was Michael Bay's Six Underground. Yes. It was like the countdown was immediately on to the Six Underground yeah. on with that splash page. And I was like, in what fucking universe? <laughs> like, yes, actually, for me specifically, this makes a lot of sense. Objectively, it is horrifying. It's a bad algorithm. And, and also, that's the thing is that the, the Hulu algorithm is just like, we put money into this, please watch it. And then the Netflix algorithm is like deeply fucked up and racist. Yeah. <laughs> if you, so I watched this happen to me when I watched all of Luke Cage. And then after it finished with Luke Cage, all it recommended were other shows with black protagonists. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I finished Luke Cage and it recommended the Barack Obama movie about him being young and in college. Basically the same. And I was like, that's very. They're both black yeah. people in Harlem but very different guys like no I, I do wonder though if that's because Netflix always talks about like 80 million people watched you know bright in the first weekend <laughs> this is the equivalent of 500 million dollars yeah. at an opening weekend at the box office and you're like no this must be how this must <laughs> yeah. be where they're extrapolating that number from is like 80 million people had this start on their Netflix yeah. and then immediately stopped <laughs> 80 million people woke up from their naps and they're <laughs> like what the fuck <laughs> is that Joel Edgerton is an orc <laughs> Is he in blue face? Yeah. <laughs> I just totally had the clear picture of myself at 3 a.m. being like, what, Lucy Fry, what's she doing on that? Oh, oh. fuck, I hate Bright. Oh, my God. But it's like 80% through, and they can count it as a full stream. Exactly. Excuse me, you cannot hate Max's Star Wars. I hate right. <laughs> the most hate I've ever gotten for a vulture story, I'm pretty sure, was people telling me I didn't understand sci-fi because I hate bright. It was just fuck my, that people take and finding fuck those me. But also, who understands sci-fi? Who understands sci-fi? No, I actually understand Somebody find me on Instagram and comment on a picture of the Los Angeles cityscape to tell me that if I understood things like Lord of the Rings. Yeah then I would understand Bright. It was like, Fuck so what off. you're telling me is this movie didn't do a good enough job with its own in-universe rules. And so you're going to tell me that because Lord of the Rings did a good job with that, that Bright is also a good movie? It was also... it was like, on, my inst- on my Instagram. On your, on, in your Christian home. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just laughing alone with salad, and that, here you are. That is my favorite thing, when people find something completely unrelated to... <laughs> yeah. To, like, where your, your mom's like, happy birthday, and they're like, also, your review of this was shit my mom's like why is this happening like sorry mom you don't understand my job (laughs) i can't even imagine explaining the internet like in that way to my parents (laughs) explaining the internet ends with a lot of yelling (laughs) (laughs) usually all right all right i will pull us back should we talk about i will pull us back into the tower inferno and and april you don't have to but would you like to to give us the summary of this since uh it's your pick yeah uh i'll 
try to do my best because it gets complicated. It is like three hours. I um, mean, Amanda did once spend five minutes me, explaining. Excuse me, that was partly because you kept interrupting to be like, and then this happens. And I was like, you are correct. And then we would go, we spent a lot of time on Congo. It was a five minute summary of, I think, Airplane versus Volcano. No, I was really, like, oh yeah, it was. Well, that was also a very confusing film. This, this is fairly straightforward. I feel like I can just give an abridged one. So Paul Newman's character is an architect. He's coming back to San Francisco to dedicate the new world's tallest building. Um, yeah. What is it called? The glass. They kept calling it the glass building. It's the glass building. Yeah. Which is based on one of the, no- this is based on two different novels. And so that's yes. taken from one of the novels. Got the it. tower and then the inferno. It was something like that. Right? Yeah, yeah. 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 It was like the, it's no, it's called like the glass building yeah. and then the tower is the other name. No, one of them had Inferno. I, I'm not going to argue that point. Like, or is it the Inferno? I think one's the Inferno and one's like the glass building yeah. or the glass tower. Yeah, and that's, that's how it. you get to Towering Inferno. Oh, wow. They just well, I mean, like that, and it, it yeah. happened just like we did it. Oh my God. <laughs> and, the, and the table. It's, it's, like, this is magic. Called, like, it's, 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 so yeah, yeah, yeah. Towering Inferno. Yeah, which is um, a way better title than either of the other two titles. Yeah, it's great. I mean, they figured it out. <laughs> yeah, they just took yeah, a room full of really smart people. <laughs> um, so the uh, he's the architect who's coming back um, to dedicate this building that he had um, designed, mm-hmm. and he meets up with the guy who had hired him, just like a rich asshole kind of guy. Yeah. who also hired his son-in-law to t- handle the electricity, uh, electric work in yeah. the building, and um, played by. Um, Richard Chamberlain, mm-hmm. who's wonderful. I've met him once. I have a good story about him. Oh, um, and uh, he's kind of a sniveling asshole, and you know that he did something wrong. And Paul Newman's character knows that he did something wrong, and he just lies about it. He's like, "No, no, everything's. I didn't cut corners. No, yeah, everything's, <laughs> everything's totally fine. Everything's safe." So meanwhile, like a fire actually starts out. Yeah, they're just like, "Yeah, he definitely fucked up." Like the fire starts in like the hundred and eighty second floor. I think it's I the. Know. I think the fire starts in eighty one. Eighty one. Okay, yeah. so it's starts there and then you've got all of these people arriving there's a party that's happening on like the 135th floor yeah and then you also have um uh fred astaire who's playing a con man who's (laughs) trying to like trick a lady into you know like trying to take all of her money you know and everyone's just kind of going about their business trying to celebrate but there's just this sinking feeling like something's wrong right and and, uh, uh, the fire department is called almost immediately I think right Mm -hmm. Um, but people are still kind of underestimating the danger of what this thing is and how bad it is and um, shit goes down People need to be saved. People need to be <laughs> evacuated, but they can't. They decide not to evacuate at first because of some kind of urban renewal plan that's going through, and they don't want to like jinx it with being like, "Oh, like we don't want to overreact." Because yeah, this we is a get danger. This. Yeah, um, and so they're trying to save their urban development. Uh, program where they get to bulldoze a bunch of stuff and make towers and kick out a bunch of poor people. Um, (laughs) So uh, eventually things just get real bad. Fred Astaire's character has to go check on a deaf woman and her children. Um, And uh, a helicopter has to come in for a rescue. That is a disaster because people charge at the helicopter and it ends up crashing setting the top of the building on fire. Um, There's people who like people are afraid to like repel down elevators shafts and there's like fire burning everywhere yep. all the time and <laughs> steve mcqueen meanwhile is a firefighter he's like the chief is he like captain yeah, or yeah i think chief? yeah and Fire he's chief. super mad at um, Paul Newman's character because he's like, you keep building them and we keep putting them out. Yeah. It's like one of my favorite lines that he says, where it's just like, he's putting the blame squarely on this architect yes. for dreaming too big. Yeah. Um, for taking jobs. Yeah. yeah. 
So uh, people start dying. Some people live. Some people don't. Mm. Um, but the building is not going to be okay. Yeah. yeah that <laughs> is, that, is, is that good enough? Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, that's right. perfect. No, absolutely. And I think what, what I will start with, uh, you know, I'll start with a small thing as far as uh, believability goes. One of the characters we're introduced to early on is one of like the rich fat cats and he rolls up to the building in a cab and he gets out and he's, uh, he's like, I only have a 50. Is that okay? And the guy's like, are you kidding me? And so then the rich guy starts counting out change in his pocket and he gives him exact change, which is all he has is 95 cents for the fare. But it's like this slow build of he's counting out change. And then when the end, he's like there 95, he's like, I'll catch you. Like, I'll get you, uh, you know, I'll get you a tip on the next one. It's like, you were, you were going to, attempt to like what did you think was going to happen with your $50 yeah. for a 95 a cent cab ride change. that's yeah. how the rich stay rich and I believed it because they're yeah. cheap bitches okay <laughs> so yes but- I 100% believe that intro was like of course you're a shitty person yeah. who would stiff this guy on the tip and only have a 50 when you knew you were going to take a cab yeah and it's not like oh I don't keep cash with me I just use my debit card this is 1970 what nobody's running around with their debit card yeah like make change you dick hold on wait I so I'm really bad at faces as we know was that Fred Astaire or was no. that just a random dude? Because I thought afterward that it was Fred Astaire showing up to be like, I'm going to go romance this woman, which is why he had flowers. And in my head, what I had retconned was that he never had a 50. He was going to stiff this cab driver the whole time. And he knew that the cab driver wouldn't have changed for 50. I don't remember. Maybe absurd. it was. I don't think it was. I don't think it was Fred Astaire's. I thought it was a bigger guy. I got a double I check. thought it was a rounder guy. Because I, okay. And Fred Astaire's very, He's very so slight. He's so slight. But yeah, no, I'll have to, I'll fact check that. I'll uh, Yeah, it. that was, because that was, I didn't think about that only because in my head I was like, later on, because I was like, where'd that guy go? And they went, oh, it must have been Fred Astaire. At a certain point, the uh, like old men did kind of gel so into many. one. This was a very geriatric. Which... Uh, Important, well, you brought this up yeah. before the podcast. So, same with director this and was producer. The same, yeah, the guy who, direct, or who directed the action scenes and produced it. Um, of he, Poseidon Adventure. He Erwin also, Allen. What? Is yeah, the Erwin Allen is the producer, and he also gets credit as having directed the action sequences, which I thought was such a weird specific thing to be like, <laughs> uh, I want dibs on that. Yeah. But that's he, kind of like a pioneering thing, though, because nowadays, yeah. especially like Marvel, is that like does make him stuff. like a second yeah. unit director? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. that's like like Chad Stahelski, the and um, yeah, Leech is his name, the yeah. other John yeah. Wick guy. Yeah, like that's how they made their career was being those guys. So it's interesting, like going back this Leech. far that they were starting to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he he specifically gets called out in the credits, but yeah, Irwin Allen, he also had was the uh, director of Poseidon Adventure and producer of Poseidon Adventure, which you definitely start to pick up on once you get the beats of this movie. It's so and the makeup similar. of the cast very much in Poseidon Adventure. It's like yeah. let's bring in the let's bring in the old guard, let's bring in the classics. Yeah, they they bring in like let's bring in the the, the institutional stars. I yeah, love, there are like seven or eight people who were in the Poseidon Adventure in small character yeah. actor roles that are in this movie as yeah. well. So. Yeah, yeah, and so, I I love that they I I just off of the Fred Astaire thing. I love they were like well. Look, we can't have an entire sequence of him dancing because that'd be ridiculous, but we will <laughs> show him very suavely dance. I was like, no one claps more elegantly during a song <laughs> than Fred Astaire as he danced and then like swirled around her, clapped, and then they cut away. And I was like, I would take a dance number that interprets the fire <laughs> through is, Fred Astaire. So this is like basically like the sort of disaster movie version of like the Rat Pack where it's like you watch the original Ocean's Eleven in yeah. Italian job and mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I see. they're just all doing, like they're just sidling yeah. up to girls at bars and like being old weird guys <laughs> for two hours. Yeah, like. it's very much the same. And it's it's basically the inverse of the Poseidon Adventure because in that movie, the, they had to go up to escape and in this one, you have to go down to escape. And then eventually though, they do have to go up to escape. They do eventually have to go up to escape. But they're, they're punching through the hole regardless, really. Yeah. 
Um, and another part of the, uh, I think we can call it the sort of shared Irwin Allen universe, mm. uh, as you pointed out, Amanda, there, and I did notice in watching it, there is the like songbird yes. of dark fate. Yeah, the, 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 the wayfish blonde who yeah. sings a weirdly dour song. Yeah, a song about a like, uh, like life and love and this is all we have. Yeah, we'll never have another night like this or yeah. something. Yeah, and you know, and I could, it was such a one-to-one transfer to the, there's got to be a morning after. That fucking song. Still disappointed that the song from the Poseidon Adventure is that and it, not some awesome, like, I really want it to be a Will Smith song. I'm so bummed still. I just, I, I that that was such a landmark moment connecting that song to that movie because yeah. like it, it existed as its own entity for me, <laughs> but it was truly just recycled seven times. Yeah. That the terrible adventure. song. So yeah. And, and, they're partying on the promenade floor, which, okay, for those of you, all of you listeners out there who might be familiar with uh, any San Francisco geography, this building is located in the uh, financial district area. It's They mentioned it's on New Montgomery Street, so it's probably about on New Montgomery Market based on the sort of wide shot that we get of it. And this building is over 135 stories tall. Yeah. Currently, there is a gargantuan, hideous fucking building in the financial district, or I think it's in the Soma area of San Francisco, the Salesforce Tower. Yes. Which looks like a huge robot penis. It's shooting yeah. up Sauron's eye. Yeah. It is so terrible. And it so dominates the, the, the skyline of San Francisco. How many stories is it, It is Jordan? 60. Yeah. So this building would be twice that. And you can see that when you are driving into the city on the 101 from San Francisco airport, the first thing you see yeah. in the distance now is a Salesforce tower. And this is twice that height. And that is unbelievable. There's, there's a thing. I mean, like the architect is uh, the framed as the villain here, the one who's going to, but probably the architect of the Salesforce building is a villain. Is oh, it, gotta it's be. a really ugly building. Gotta be. But also we have, we've had um, so many different things lately, like news stories about architects who don't think about human life and uh -huh. don't yeah. think about livability. Right. And I think that that's like an actual interesting point for this movie to bring up, despite the fact that like, you know, he's not a murderer, but <laughs> yeah. you know, like there's like that library of the, that university that, is inhospitable to um, women and people who just wear skirts. Oh, right, because you know? of the and stairs. Yeah. God damn and, it. Yeah, and there's like other instances of, you know, like people who designed the projects, right? Yeah. So like people right. who just like, like they just, they, and you know, like the, um, like the other kind of um, uh, design that people had for like uh, prisons, like the panopticon kind of thing, like when they were like proposing this like all seeing eye and architecture is actually um, capable of great evil. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's that awful, like, as much as I hate to quote, like, you, your scientists were so preoccupied with whether mm -hmm. or not they could do it that they didn't stop thinking about if they should. That yeah. kind of like to paraphrase Jurassic Park. Um, it is absolutely that. I will say from the unbelievability standpoint, there's a reason that Salesforce Tower is only 61 floors, and that's because San Francisco is basically, especially downtown and most of San Francisco, is essentially landfill. Mm -hmm. They basically yeah, the marina, the the yeah. marina area is definitely that. And yeah, so they, most of San Francisco in general is not suitable for building something that you need a strong bedrock for. It. So you right. need solid, solid rock mm -hmm. to anchor the weight of the building and yeah. to make it stable. Um, if and, the and in fire a geological in a geological threat zone, this, yeah, like that. 
to have that, ca- I mean, that would that, go down and wipe out the rest of downtown. So that's the thing is if the fire hadn't taken this out, any good earthquake, the ground right there will basically something called liquefaction. We're essentially what? like, mm-hmm. yes, I love liquefaction because it's such a fun word to say. Jordan, can you say it? Because I want to, I want to pull that audio later. <laughs> liquefaction? I love when you overpronounce words. So basically what happens is um, essentially the sediment, the ground uh, had the water tables very close to the surface. Okay. You shake it all up a bunch and the ground isn't very solidly, um, basically uh, locked together. Okay. And so there's like grains of sand, for example, by a beach. Yeah. You shake up enough of that and you essentially create a quicksand because oh. you've, tur- you've created turbulence. You've created- Shoot. And so it just, things will sink. So that during the 94 quake here in California or in, in LA, um, out in Santa Monica that happened to a bunch of houses, even though they weren't close to the epicenter of the huh. Northridge quake, they were out on basically on, on unconsol- what we call unconsolidated sediment. Shit. Um, you shake up the water table, all of that, what we think of as solid earth becomes quicksand and mud <laughs> and everything sinks. So 135 floors. Wow. And then all of a sudden you have a, a nice like, Let's say the, a quake like the 89 quake, uh-huh. the Loma Prieta, which was like a seven, I think, or a six. I can't remember. That thing topples. Well, yeah. And there was because there is there is the companion building that is like basically across the street yeah. from the glass tower that is I forget the name of it, like the peerless building or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was peerless. Mm-hmm. That basically looks like it's more than half the height. It looks like it itself is 100 stories tall. Yeah. So the idea of these two buildings that tall sitting next to one another, I like that they had to invent like two of the world's tallest buildings in San Francisco yeah. for the purposes yeah. of like this movie's plot. It's such a pissing contest. Oh, <laughs> sure. It's kind of like, like a, a Donald Trumpness of like trying to get the tallest building yeah. in the world. And we're going to build it two right after, across the street. Yeah. Yeah. And this is two years after the World Trade Centers have been built, which were the tallest. So like in this situation, it's now the West <laughs> Coast being like, oh yeah, New York, you've got your giant metal penises. Bam! San Francisco, <laughs> even bigger giant metal mm-hmm. dick. Yeah. yeah. Before Silicon Valley could show up and just like demonstrate that metaphor in all manner of ways. Mm. So yeah, okay, it feels extremely believable that idiots would build this hulking monument to capitalism. Yeah. In a ge- in a geologically unsafe zone. So that mean, feels yeah. believable. <laughs> Nepotism, totally believable. Yeah, oh, the nepotism yeah. so believable. The, the nepotism of the son-in-law, like, I, so good. Any like I don't, we don't get any background on the credentials <clears throat> of the son-in-law of the the building like owner developer. Is was this guy like in fucking stocks and bonds, and then decided he was going to be in charge of the whole grid of this he's building? Such like such a Kushner. He's like going to oh, go yeah. solve the Middle <laughs> yeah. East problem. You know, like he's just like he's on his way to fucking Abu Dhabi just to like <laughs> yeah. solve the problem after this. You well, know? hold on. The Total haunted that, doll sort that of vibe. Kushner too. gets to do that is because he's Jewish. So, are we saying that maybe this man is made of electrical circuits? <laughs> are we? Are oh we, shit! Yeah, the, the son-in-law well, is made of electrical circuits. That's because that because as far as Trump's concerned, that's uh, I'm not gonna. Is he's like, he's like, he's like, oh, I know a Jew. Yeah, that's 100%. Like, as soon as that, I was like, oh, that's why. Because he's like, oh, he's Jewish. He'll be able to talk to the other Jewish people. And I'm like, Donald Trump, we don't all, we just can't all communicate with each other with our horns. Like, that's not how that works. They don't we don't work just, like antenna. We lock horns and then we just mentally telepath to each other and it's fine. That's actually Mormons that have horns, not Jews. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to oh, correct you. Oh, is that in this special underwear? Yeah, no, it's it's supposed to be on their heads. It's a whole thing. Oh. Jason's from Utah. 
Jason's okay. from Utah. Jason, oh, cool, Jason's cool, 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 cool. Now, you've lived many places. Have you lived in Utah? I lived in Boise, so I, I've lived huh. in the... Because I, I was wondering right yeah, yeah. I was wondering if you had any input on Utah chili. <laughs> <laughs> because according to Jason here, Utah noted for its chili. Such a lie. We can't confirm this. I mean, noted is the best way to put it. Because I wouldn't say they're known for their chili. I wouldn't say they're renowned for their chili. chili. I wouldn't say their chili is legendary. Is chili what you guys call mayonnaise? No. Please, no. I've just been to a lot of chili cookouts. April's skepticism right now. Yeah, April, April, looks really looking, April looks like she's just found herself inside of a cult. <laughs> I mean, I guess I like I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past Utah to have great chili because like when you're when you're not fucking and drinking <laughs> like you you find things like you I've never meat? I've never gone to more creative parties oh, yeah. than Mormon parties where like the, every the minute is planned out because you're just like oh you don't want to think about sex I get it I like stay busy Ugh. stay you know? busy like but they throw the best parties and my, my Mormon friends are just like A plus at entertainers Hell yeah. yeah like hosts yeah yeah, it's great. <laughs> All right, sorry to bring up the chili segue. Okay, um, yeah. <laughs> I think a, I think an important thing to to bring up, like for for just at the beginning of this movie, I think a big point of unreality for me in a movie that generally feels like a, it it feels like a, a pretty realistically immersive experience is that the fire that really kicks this whole thing off starts. I think it's in the eighty first floor, and it starts in this storage room. Like it looks like a bucket of towels catches on fire after a circuit breaker blows and it burns presumably for hours Yeah, before somebody, the smoke starts coming out from under the door and somebody works at the hotel finally opens the door and it's like a backdraft moment of somebody gets engulfed in flame. It's like, was the fire waiting for just like permission to leave this yeah. room? Fires because operate under the same rules as vampires. <laughs> I mean, m- like much like the fire finger. That's exactly my um, point. Yeah, this is, this is part of the fire finger universe. Because it... Like it's burning for so long and they're like, why aren't our sensors working? There's a like, it's like they know there's a fire somewhere, but no one's just like really going to look for it. Yeah. So this one room filled with buckets that say flammable on them. It is where they kept all their flammable All of the flammable things are in this room, but like there's time for people to worry about the building not being like up to code before it opens for Paul Newman to go to the asshole son-in-law's house and read him the riot act about possibly cutting corners, him to go back to the building, get ready to go to the party that they're throwing that night and once the party's in swing then the smoke finally starts coming out from that room they open it and they find the fire inside why the shit was it contained for so long and then suddenly it's eating up an entire 135 story building well hold on i'm uh, paul newman had a great design he to contain <laughs> fire which is the thing like, they keep talking yeah. about this building like it is impervious to flame yeah, yeah. so like he he had a good design <laughs> to try to contain <laughs> right any problems mm-hmm. it's just that you know also, genius plan. He made the whole building out of asbestos. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It was good. It's good insulation, you yeah. guys. <laughs> well, like, so genius design and, like, the, the rich building owner guy who refuses. Who is Bill Holden. Like, Bill Holden. credit yes. where credit's due. Yes. It is Bill fucking Holden Bill reuniting Holden. with Faye Dunway, but never getting a good scene with her, which I was bummed by. Bill Holden in a dashing dinner jacket Ugh. 
refusing to move the party from the promenade floor on 135 down to the lobby because the optics would be bad and they're not going to get this urban renewal development program that they're going for. There's like a senator's there. The, the mayor of San Francisco's there, whose wife is not Shelly Winters. But, I also thought it was Shelly Winters. should have been Shelly Winters. Oh my God. She was so they glad. probably tried to cast her and then she just wasn't yeah. available. Because she was like not about again. Poseidon Adventure. <laughs> that was, that, that yeah. was built to be Shelly Winters, in which case that role... She would have need to involve a swimming champion. In some I, way. I had to briefly double check that she was not Shelly. Like I was like, yeah. that should be Shelly Winters. And then I had to double check that it wasn't Ernest Borgnine. Like <laughs> as her husband, because I was like, that's also an old man. Ernest uh, Borgnine has that specific mouth I and those know, specific teeth. But it was, he could have been like, but they it was so clear. They cast, they, they cast, cast the guy who lost every role to Ernest Borgnine. And they also cast a woman who they were like, find us Shelly Winters. Yeah. Plausible substitute. And they were like, put her in a, in, in a bright pink dress. Yes. And just make her, give her a weirdly emotional scene. Yeah. <laughs> About kids. About, About their kids. kids. Give her the moment that her and her husband, that, that the Rosens have in Poseidon Ugh. Adventure about their kids but really vague and like we don't know if like it makes it sound like her daughter's like either a coddled adult child oh, or like daughter, a junkie or something kid, no i thought her kid was like 12 i couldn't I tell i was like are they talking teenager. about an infantilized adult because this is the 70s and maybe they're like she's not leaving home till she gets married no and, i thought she was a teen like a, a preteen. but yeah uh yeah there's an extremely like rosen husband wife type in this movie but yeah i didn't believe the fire would be contained for that long in that room and then as the fires start popping up throughout the building because inexplicably this building burns um despite what bill holden thought would happen uh they everybody keeps charging into these rooms to see if there are fires and nobody's being burned by door handles that would be really hot from these rooms having raging infernos inside of them. That I didn't believe. Yeah, again, again, door handles made of asbestos. <laughs> Just, yes, crafted, yeah. molded asbestos. Mm-hmm. It's stealthy fire. Question for the room. Yeah. What was Faye Dunaway is in this, and she plays the love interest of Paul Newman's character, and they talk in the beginning, uh, like she's been given a job offer, and it's something about a managing editor role. Is yeah. she a journalist? Yes. I think so. Yeah, I thought that she was. Okay, is she covering this building? Like, is that why she knows Paul Newman? No, I think they're in a, re- they're like noted to be in a relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, but I just wondered if that was, happened, in, is this a journalist fucking her source situation no, that we're going to see in a movie? No, I didn't think okay. so. I, no, okay, I know. Richard this was Jewell not... just has me on edge right now. No. Yeah, no, this wasn't like, this wasn't a covert relationship, so okay. I assumed this was on the up and up. Right. Um, And her job, like, we got no, it was kind of, it's, I, I absolutely enjoyed every second of this movie and I really, I did love watching it. My problem, it was almost because there were too many characters that I really wanted. We didn't get that deep dive that we got with Poseidon Adventure, no pun intended, um, mm-hmm. of of the characters and like their inner lives. There was the less, was it pathos? Yeah. I just didn't know, like I couldn't tell you anything about Faye Dunaway's character and I kept Not wanting to get back to, like I wanted to get back to her. I wanted more Fred Astaire. I wanted... God, I, I wanted so much more of all the characters because they were so instantly likable because they did such a great job with casting. Mm-hmm. So I could not tell you if that was Faye Dunaway fucking a source because of the fact that we don't get <laughs> yeah. enough about her. I trust that it, I trust that was just me making an assumption that's not actually what was happening. Yeah. But I just had to ask if I was misperceiving no. her job. The only inappropriate relationship from what I can tell was, um, what's his name? Uh, Natalie Wood's husband who killed her, allegedly. <laughs> uh, Robert. Uh... Robert. Oh. Not Blake. Uh, I yeah no couldn't couldn't tell uh, you that from one from Austin Powers. Hold on, I googled. Oh the Wagner, other day. yeah Robert yeah, Wagner, thank you. Robert Thank you. Wagner, yeah yeah. He's so so slim Robert, in this movie. I forgot that was him. Right, Robert Wagner's there. He also just going back to the Poseidon Adventure like kind of thread. 
In addition, Shelly Winters at 17 being a um, swimming champion, he was some like 100 yard dash champion in high school. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. He, before Robert Wagner yeah. is swallowed in flames, he's he like, I run a five, I ran of like a, a 10 second hundred meter in my day. Yeah. And it was, his death is really stunning because it's like this emotional, he gets a wet towel, the building outside of like his office bedroom is, yeah. is, is like the room is, is ablaze. Mm-hmm. He covers himself in these wet towels. It's the fair, like he looks at his secretary slash girlfriend and they have this shared look. He's like, I'm coming back. He does not make it two steps before he spontaneously <laughs> he combusts. It's covered in fire immediately. It's not like he makes it to the door and like collapses yeah. in dramatic fashion, having almost saved them. Yeah. He um, takes two steps, flames, covered in flames, and then stumbles around the room, burning alive. For so long. <laughs> yeah. And what was tough as was, she watches. And, as and girlfriend secretary was watches. that girlfriend secretary's death was very emotional. And I felt yeah. I felt so terrible about her death. I did one too. because she wasn't wearing pants. And I felt terrible ah. that like one of my greatest fears is I'm gonna die naked. And so <laughs> oh, yeah. like right, no one wants that. And so the fact that like her death on top of that like is really sad. She panics. She knows she's gonna die. So she ends up basically like throwing herself. She tries to escape by jumping out the window. Yeah, and she, she like on fire. The, the flames are, are licking at the, the the threshold of the door and eventually just explode into the room. At which yeah. point she catches fire and then runs through a window. It's yeah, it's really and then. But the worst part is that then like seconds later the firemen come to it's, that floor. It's really bad. It's really and the firemen come to the floor and start putting out the fire on that floor. And it's just like if she had just waited a few seconds longer, if she had kept the door shut. <laughs> yeah anything she would have survived put on pants put on pants yeah. <laughs> and so it is really like that was one of those times where i was like where that the movie just gets you because of that because it's you do mm-hmm. feel the irony and the pain of like you, this didn't have to happen what i do want to point out though is that as as you said the thing about the bedroom office is that that means that multiple executive offices <laughs> had beds in them. Totally buy it. It was in 1974. Fully buy. That yeah. Multiple offices this had is, we're talking, satin sheet beds. We're talking mm-hmm. about buttons under the desk yeah, situations. Like Paul Newman's room has a bed made up that when he gets <laughs> back from jaunting about, because he, the entrance of Paul Newman is so fantastic because we get him at a low angle coming in on a helicopter with aviator sunglasses <laughs> yeah. on, which is how I assume Paul Newman enters every everywhere. Room. Um, felt believable super believable he shows up at his office he walks right into his office Faye Dunaway's there and there's like champagne Faye Dunaway silk sheep bed (laughs) and honestly I would have watched that movie (laughs) like good lord yeah that that's that's good that's what started the fire I'll tell you that right now Uh, (laughs) but yeah I do fully believe that multiple executive offices would have beds attached in this yes. 130 something and the, the argument would be because well you know these gentlemen are me working so hard they can't go home but the truth is yeah it's because they're going to sexually harass their secretaries into bed yeah i mean robert wagner's character sexually harassed his secretary into dating him yeah like mm-hmm. it, it worked by the way like let's talk about what this all-star cast of um non-problematic men in this film <laughs> you are you referring to uh security chief oj simpson yes yes in, I am. Uh, and, and, Robert, yeah. and, and definitely didn't kill his wife in conjunction with christopher walken <laughs> amanda we, the natalie wood beat is really alive on the I, cast I'm, i can't i want i want you're wrong about to cover this now i want cereal <laughs> to cover this 
Just covered serial season five, Natalie Wood. Yeah, no, fortunately, OJ uh, isn't quite the force of personality that he would be in something like the Naked Gun movies. Yeah. He's just sort of a bumbling security guard. He disappears for the entire second, like half of a second act and doesn't show up until the end. It's like, it's as if the the director realized halfway through that OJ Simpson was going to be like accused of killing his wife in 20 years. He divined that. Yeah, and he was like, oh no, let's pull back on the OJ. Let's just have him save the cat. Yeah. I mean... Probably he was just racist. Oh, that too. <laughs> it could be that too. <laughs> so so that. pick your poison on that yeah. one. Yeah. I was so relieved. I don't know about you guys, but how did you guys, I was, how worried were you guys about the cat through this whole movie? Because it preoccupied me. I was pretty okay. I, I, I felt secure the cat was going to make it. Oh, yeah. Erwin Allen's not going to kill a cat. <laughs> I was so concerned. Like from the minute that she put that cat down to say good, like to, and said goodbye to him. Yeah. The woman, then, by the way, that has the cat yeah. is a target that is meant to be swindled by Fred Astaire's character. But everything ends up okay with them at one point because he comes out as a con man and she's like, I don't care. I'm so desperate to find love in my elder age. Yeah. And, and basically she's, they just completely resolve that he's a, that he's a con man. Yeah. And she's super cool with it. Yeah. Until the end. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then she, that woman, that poor woman, why does she die off screen? I really cared about her. And then how she did doesn't she die off no- screen. She dies aggressively on screen. Did she die on screen? She falls out it? of the scenic elevator that is taken off its at, that is taken <gasps> off its track because a side of the building blows out when like a dozen women Wait, and children are in yeah. it going down. April, she died. She careens out of the scenic elevator, hits a floor along the way, which sends her body spinning even faster down, falling out of the frame. It is a fucking gnarly death how did i miss that it, I, I replayed it three times i was watching it wait this happens now you're making me doubt it but i thought it would happen because i thought it was serving a purpose to make fred astaire's character kind of like like his thing we're like wow he actually fell in love with someone and, and was honest and yeah then, and then that's why he's taken away from him and he i was her, legit he gets her cat why do you think he only gets her cat at the end because no i know that oj simpson's like and she's he's like where's the woman who's in the elevator and they're like oh she died and i'm like why did she die off screen she absolutely no she careens oh. out of the she's the only person who dies from the scenic elevator oh my god i come no i i completely missed that no it's the worst death of the whole movie <gasps> because not only does she fall out of the elevator she, she then, for some reason has to hit another floor on the way down sending her body into a tighter more grotesque rotation as oh my she god, falls out she, of the like frame. Like the guy at the Which Titanic who falls off of the thing. Exactly. The and he hits the <gasps> boom. But I don't, I, just, I should say that I don't think in this case that it was necessarily like planned. <laughs> <laughs> they just threw the dummy and they were like, oh no. Yeah, I don't know, like, man. It looks so fucking deliberate. You're like, what the shit was that? Like, I like, cause you see it hit the thing from a, a wide shot. So it had to have been a model. How many like, dummies do you think they had though? I don't know. They, they, they would have probably to, have like one and they're like, go for it. Yeah, like to, to get that precise of like a... Okay, of, so I, I had to purchase this on Amazon in order to yeah, watch it because it is not available. Now. Yeah, we I'm all really own sorry this movie. About the so fact that I'm going to... I will one. watch this and I will gift capture it so we can post with the gif of the, the woman in the white dress falling at least 90 stories to oh her death. I feel like it, it's There's even like, You can even hear when the body hits. It, there's a little... <laughs> um, the, uh, do you guys ever did you ever do a science olympiad when you're in school I, I did wish. not science olympiad was like that would have been right of Amanda's alley for oh, sure God. like the the biggest 
thing that everyone always wanted to compete in Science Olympiad was the egg drop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like you only yeah. get popsicle sticks and like some other shit. Oh, and, and like you have to like partners. Paper, you have to make sure that it does. It like could, your yeah. partners and you have to hold up the egg while you're like walking or something? No, 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 no. no, no. That's an obstacle. That's that's like a, that's a real that race. That's like a party game. This yeah. is like real science. <laughs> yeah. This is science? Um, so you have to uh, construct a kind of cradle for it out of um, um, yeah. specific uh, uh, materials. Got you can't it. deviate from it. And you have to drop it from like I think it's like 10, 10 or 12 I, feet. Okay I remember that. Yep. So, yep. But then like you can never really predict exactly where it's going to go so uh-huh. like it's disaster all the time. <laughs> so that's what I kept thinking during that is just like oh <laughs> they couldn't really predict the props people yeah. like it's where that was drop. happening <laughs> in fairness like what it, that doesn't teach you any science it's really just like who's best at insulating like making sure this egg doesn't break there's no science not like kids are sitting there being well, like I mean, it's I'm kind of engineering right because you, you have to design like a to... cradle and like <laughs> you are not think about shock absorption and, <laughs> and uh um yeah. Just design. I like and, how I uh, went to like straight to like a three-legged race with I eggs. I appreciate that you went jock on it. <laughs> you guys had like a party. Just <laughs> like, was that was that what we did at parties? Yeah. Did we do that thing where you put a party? As a sober where you put person. a bucket together and then you put a bunch of apples in it and then some water and then you put your face in it? Is that the... Bobbing for yeah. apples is a terrible game. Is it? I've never done it at a party. It's almost impossible to grab an apple when it is just floating in water. If you're trying to bite into a, a round object... That you're pushing down with your face. Yeah, but that's the thing that it forces you to do is it forces you to put your face all the way down to uh-huh. the bucket. Exactly. So it's like, it's about who gets wettest. <laughs> <laughs> it's essentially like like a more complicated wet t-shirt contest. <laughs> They're like that has at, like fruit involved. That, so, <laughs> fruit involved. Bonus. Uh, so yeah, the 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 bobbing the the egg dropping experience of the the, I, the poor woman who rescued children. I had no idea. I will the the as far as action scenes go, I thought the uh, blown out stairway scene yeah. where Paul Newman has to like negotiate the kids and the woman in white mm-hmm. down. That was awesome when he when the explosion happens and he like falls forward and he's just like basically gymnastics tumbling his way yeah. down that like gnarled. Hate, like stairway handle that looked so rad and I super believe Paul Newman is abe- able to do all of that at every moment when Paul Newman single-handedly just like hoists himself back up and down multiple times it, I'm like oh that my God. is Paul Newman's upper body strength it was a hundred percent Joanne Woodward is just like uh, yes. <laughs> oh, Joe. I mean, and he, he keeps it tight because he's got steak at home, and he doesn't need hamburger. Out, to, he doesn't need to go out for hamburger. Yeah. Any any feat of daring do that Paul Newman's character had to accomplish yeah. in this movie was like absolutely, it's Paul Newman. And similarly, Steve McQueen, for Steve yeah. McQueen, Fire Chief Steve McQueen. The command with which he was ordering his fire oh, fighters yeah. around and like collapse this ceiling, do this, do this. I was like, this is a fireman. Steve McQueen's a fireman, it turns out. In addition to an actor, that is how good he is. Ernest, if he had been giving those orders to Ernest Borgnine in Poseidon Adventure, yes. Ernest Borgnine would not have ar- argued. No. And Gene, Gene, Preacher Gene, 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 yeah. Preacher Gene would have been sidelined immediately. In this situation. Uh, yeah. Uh, or like, if, uh, Preacher Gene could not have commanded <laughs> an, entire, an entire fire department. No. In the same, with the same ease. No. God, when, okay, so at the end of the movie, when Steve McQueen is the only demolition expert who can, (laughs) when they're like, so we need someone, okay, they need to, at the end of the movie, um, they're like, the only way, these two random, like, Navy guys, I guess, I don't know, somebody, some authoritative looking gentleman 
like the only way we can put out this fire is if we detonate explosives at these water tanks at the top of the building yeah and the water will go down through all the floors because they're like, I was over, like there's over a million gallons of water and that'll be enough and i was like i feel like that's just gonna make a bunch of water grow onto the streets of san francisco <laughs> yes. but i'm not good at this stuff so sure um so and they're like the only person who can still do this is steve mcqueen mm-hmm. and his reaction when he realized it's incredible and, he, and then he's like well how do i get out of there and they're just kind of like they just shrug stare yeah and he just well, shit. Yeah. Well, shit. It's like, that's exactly what Steve McQueen would and say at that Steve, moment. And, and at that moment, and at that moment, Steve McQueen, and I was like, but Steve McQueen will make it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. But even if he wasn't going to make it and he knew he wasn't going to yeah. make it, Steve McQueen would still charge into danger. Because he's yeah. Steve fucking McQueen. It's like the great escape kind of thing. Yeah. Where it's just like, he's still going to try to escape and fuck over those Nazis, but he's going to die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's going to be real yes. sad. Yeah. Like that kind of feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the fact that we got so many scenes toward the end of, of Paul Newman and Steve McQueen just like staring at each other, Ugh. barking orders at various people. Yeah. Incredible. Extremely good casting. It was it was such good. Like that, this movie absolutely, it was a good movie regardless, but man, having the steel blue eyes of oh. both of those, I, partly I feel like they were cast because they both look so good covered in like smudges of ash. They're like, like their blue eyes all over. They're, and they're, they're like, they're, they are Michael Bay shiny throughout this movie. Yeah. Like they yeah. have that particular, like what really must've been an, an inspirational aesthetic for Michael Bay when he was, you know, when films were but a twinkle in his eye. Yeah. yeah. There's like, uh, make it all look like cat on a hot tin roof. <laughs> yeah. With a fireplace exploding. Like that. <laughs> everybody's bronzed. Everybody's smudged. Everybody's just sweaty enough. Yeah. Yeah. The the real, the real, you know, I think what we would know now as the Bay aesthetic wears very well on both of these men. So that's why that's Netflix was like, yeah, she's going to want to watch this after marriage story. Exactly. <laughs> You've just watched Scarlett Johansson fight with Adam Driver you and, need, you need and a Laura Dern cleanser? be the embodiment of like an aspirational power lawyer. You definitely want to watch Six Underground. Yeah, it, that would be the recommendation. No matter if you'd watched Schindler's List, they would have been like Six Absolutely. Underground right afterward. I heard the twist is it's Seven Underground. <laughs> <laughs> is that it? Is that the big reveal? Yeah, I heard that was the twist. Man, Michael's outdone himself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fucking genius. <laughs> I mean, a common denominator, Scarlett Johansson. Um, Amanda, do you have a point? I, I was going to say something, then I realized that Jason has been drawing multiple Furbies. <laughs> Jason, I'm, I'm not drawing like, Furbies, I'm drawing weird dog faces. Those are <laughs> Furbies, Look, Jason. I'm not good at drawing dogs. Those are Furbies. <laughs> like, I looked, I was about to talk about Bill Holden, and I looked over, and I was like, that is... talk about <laughs> Bill Holden. Those are... So There's probably, a very specific dog face that I'm trying to draw here, and it's hard to capture the likeness, are, and oh. so they come out like Furbies. Oh, I thought that you, you just saw what? Uncut Gems. I, that's what I thought, too. I was like, Jason watched Uncut I Gems. I thought it was, was like, Baby Yoda. Yoda. I did watch Uncut Gems. But. <laughs> From where I'm sitting, I thought it was Baby Yoda. Yeah, no, so I see now that you say dog faces, I see it, but upside down, this, they look like Furbies. This particular dog has a wide neck and very large ears. Okay. <laughs> so. It's okay. Okay, oh, we're gonna, sure, I see it, but it does yeah, look like Baby Yoda it, now that I look yeah. at it. <laughs> you know? Okay, so going back, um, again, because I all I'm going to do is just draw parallels between this and Poseidon Adventure, which I also truly enjoyed. Um, this was the movie where it's like, we basically got to see what would happen if you stayed with the group that listened to the purser. 
Oh, the purser. Remember the purser? Yeah. The, 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 the captain of the hotel? The, <laughs> yeah. He's like the concierge of the hotel. The ca- so, captain of the hotel boat. The difference is that like in, in Poseidon Adventure, there was nothing authoritative about the purser in no. that situation, which is again, going back to it, how Andre Brower in the remake of Poseidon Adventure right. is. And you're like, yeah, that tracks. I would listen to him. Yeah. Likewise, what they fixed in this one is that if someone, if I were at a party and I heard r- rumors that there was a fire on the 81st floor. Yeah. And I was Amanda would brandish the parachute she packed, jump out the window. I would be in my exit to I would have my formal shorts underneath my dress, (laughs) and I would be ready to go. But if Bill Holden was like, guys, nothing to worry about. Everyone keep dancing. We're going to send people down in an elevator. And uh-huh. I'd be like, elevators don't work and in fire. <laughs> yeah. I- but then Bill Holden was like, we're going to send everybody down in an elevator. I'd be like, you're right, Bill Holden. Which was just, again, going back to the casting, such good. Like, Bill Holden was so great as never slimy, but very much unscrupulous. I was very upset Bill Holden didn't die. Okay, fair. Bill, like, the fact that the son-in-law died and the woman in the white dress died. It was like randomized death in a movie where like the bad people get theirs. And like, I get that Bill Holden wasn't actively bad and he felt really sad by the end. Yeah. But like, he still, as the son-in-law like yells at him about like when like Bill Holden's dressing down the son-in-law being like, you cut corners, you little fucking asshole. And he's like, oh yeah, why didn't you spend, where did that $4 million go that you saved? Huh? Like I'm the only one cutting corners here. There was never justice served for the absolute embodiment of the shitty capitalist guy. Yeah. Because you know that Bill Holden, Holden's character is going to go ahead and do a bunch of buildings. He's going to knock yeah. down community centers. Yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, and do some more skyscrapers. And he'll be like, I do it better this time. And then he'll <laughs> run for mayor. And it'll be a, ugh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. That's exactly what's going to happen. And I thought that he should have, I thought he should have bitten the dust. I, I do think there should have been a sacrificial, like, you're right. He should have gone down with the ship, sort of Titanic-y kind of thing it, that yeah. we didn't get. Yeah. Which, oddly, the senator dies. Yeah. Like he's trying to stop the shitty son-in-law from taking this hilarious little caddy (laughs) that they have strung up between the 135th, the promenade floor of the glass tower. And then the peerless building across the street, they've, they've strung up a rope and they have this little tiny chair that they are ferrying one person at a time back and forth from across the windy expanse between these two buildings. And so then of course, once all the women and children are gone, the men start to mutiny because they're pieces of shit heathens and they're led by the horrible son-in-law. And when horrible son-in-law is trying to hijack the cart and, and go out of his place in line, the Senator like jumps on the cart. He's like, get out of there, but then falls to his death quite uneventfully. He died too, but like the developer gets to live. I assume Bill Holden had it as a contract. I perhaps that's a good, that's a fair point. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I didn't like that, but okay. We touched on this about the water. I too was thinking that the water would not have just gone down and run through the hotel once they exploded the tanks at the top. I thought that was a little bit hinky. It's like, no, it would just rush out of the sides of the building that had been blown out. And drench the streets of San Francisco in a shitload of water, right? I mean, I'm not a water scientist. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I was a little like, okay. Um, like it led to a great sequence and it did. Like we got to see more uh, legends get just drenched in water, <laughs> which I, I found I really enjoy in my disaster movies is like subjecting f- like stage and film legends to just the full force of a water tank. I yeah. really enjoy that. <laughs> I found it because like, like when they're about to blow the tanks, the guy like Newman and McQueen tell all the people in the top of the, in the promenade floor, okay, you have to tie yourself to something 
to like secure yourself because all this water is going to come rushing through. Then the water, the ropes helped absolutely no one. No one was secured to anything. No. After the water came rushing through and hit them. Well, which was hilarious. I was like they, the movie did not follow its own advice in that moment. It was like, let's do this thing when it could have just been like, everybody hold tight. <laughs> but I, I love it when plans go wrong in yeah. movies. It's almost <laughs> oh, yeah. like the mission oh, impossibleness of it where it's just like, well, this yeah. is going to go wrong. So <laughs> You're right. This is There is such mission impossible shit happening this. down. I think that includes the helicopter scene that you were talking about earlier. Yeah, we were just mm-hmm. like, great, great. Everything's going to be fine. Oh, no. <laughs> we made it worse. How do we get out of this problem? Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of the opposite yeah, of can't... the punching through banana cream pie of like of Meteor where like with that one, every time it's like, oh, no, something's and go horribly wrong and they're like actually guys it's cool don't worry about it <laughs> it was mostly okay it's mostly oh no one of the missiles isn't firing oh we just had to reset the system yeah. yeah this was yeah that that mission impossible like everything kept going worse and that was really nice that they kept escalating it um the helicopter like- the helicopter issue i do have to say is that they couldn't land helicopters on the top of the building because it was too damn windy so when they think they're finally going to land one they're going to take like a dozen like women out of the situation mm-hmm. to idiot ladies two broads get hysterical yeah they go running at the helicopter before it is even touched down so the helicopter which is already tenuously only able to like so such a tenuous situation tried to touch it on this rooftop they like veer back to not crush these women and they just fly straight into the side of the building and explode women am i right (laughs) (laughs) totally realistic yeah no that their their uteruses went flying around their bodies (laughs) They got too emotional and they caused two good Navy pilots to crash. That the visual of uteruses just bouncing around inside one's torso is hilarious. In a sense, it's a little bit like um, trying to Busan and like the, the rich guy who's like trying to trying to run to get on. He like ruins everyone else's lives. <laughs> yeah. People die because he's an asshole. Yeah, and- yeah, exactly. Which that is exactly the situation of the son-in-law. People die because he's an asshole. Yeah. And because the dad is a, and because the the billing developer is a Korean capitalist. I still can't believe that he made it as far into them. Because when he went down. The son-in-law? Yeah. At that point when the son-in-law goes down the back staircase Mm -hmm. and he's like, I'm going to get out of here and everything. And and the daughter, who we haven't really touched upon. She's kind of a non-entity ultimately. Like she's also way too sad when like she's going to divorce him. She's like made it clear the marriage is over. Doesn't he hit on Faye Dunaway? Yeah. Yeah. He full on hits on Faye yeah, Dunaway. Yeah, Faye Dunaway's like, absolutely not. Because Faye Dunaway has taste. Yes. Uh, disappointed she didn't get to slap anybody in this film. <laughs> yeah. Well, not on screen. <laughs> <laughs> she had to get her quota in somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah. It's in her fucking contract. <laughs> Look, with with this cast, there was probably ample reason to, oh, yeah. <laughs> to throw some slaps around. I hope she slapped Robert Wagner in her contract. Um, uh, but yeah, no, she. The, you're right. The daughter. The daughter was unusually sad, given that her husband like deserved to die. Yeah, like he was. He was mean to her. He was a dick. Yeah, like he was definitely cheating on her. That was not at all implied in the movie, but you just kind of know. Oh, it's true. it was deeply implied. She was like, I don't know when when Paul Newman shows. Oh yeah, because she, he's he like, "Where's your husband?" And she's like, 
I don't know, probably roaming around. Yeah. Like she's very clear that she doesn't know where he goes. She knows he never shows up anywhere. And he's oh yeah, like, what is she like? He has a like he has a, a, something like about a like being radi- a wolf. Yeah, he has like a, a radius. Yeah, he's he like a fifty mile radius that he could be in at any given time. Yeah, not a great <laughs> thing to say about your marriage, honestly. Like regardless yeah. of whether or not you like are in an open relationship, like excluding that for a second, you can be open, you can be poly, whatever. Uh-huh. Like if you can just casually say, I don't know where my husband is. He's somewhere in a fifty mile. Radius. <laughs> it's not promising but also i just don't like it when people malign wolves in movies uh, yeah no i i knew you'd be on the wolf beat on that I'm one i'm very pro wolf <laughs> <laughs> she we'll will have you back stand. for the gray to, this, oh, to, to yeah. defend oh, the I true protagonist of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> that movie is exclusively called wolf fight i'm sorry it's not called the gray. there's no truth to that movie <laughs> at all april will not be hearing you cast dispersions on wolves Liam Neeson. <laughs> Liam Neeson, who once walked the racism out of himself. <laughs> but he walked it right into wolves. <laughs> to, to gross stereotypes about wolves. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can see Liam you Neeson. You are learning being now, cast April, too, that Amanda's laughter sounds like tears. <laughs> Oh, I guess it would if I'm closing my eyes. Yeah, yeah I'm just one of the folks at home. It's a really unnerving experience to edit. We had an episode where she did this for uh, roughly five minutes, and it was a nightmare for me to edit and have to listen to over and over again. It was unreal. April's, if, if at any April's point, really taking it all in. At any point, we can just cut her line for a little while and, start, and just keep talking. Cut her, li- cut her line. Wow, like she's just getting cut off like in her own home. In her own home. It's terrible. <laughs> I think I think it's important to point out that this movie does a great job of citing that like when they're talking about what like what's in this building and what could burn, they mention um Steve McQueen's character asks if there's any like like seamstresses or like clothing manufacturers in the building. And he drops the fact that if uh wool or silk burn that they emit cyanide gas and that is accurate. I checked that out, and I thought that was a nice detail. I'm going to use that on all my enemies. <laughs> it's something someone would say if they were going to do that, which I'm not. People are people. Leave, some people leave flaming bags of like feces on a doorstep. Mm-hmm. Amanda's going to leave a flaming flaming bag of wool, and you're not going to know it hit you. Not not in their air vents. We'll just for be sure. a sheep. <laughs> A yeah. whole whole sheep, yeah, <laughs> which are part of the anti-wolf propaganda network. So you're right; oh, they deserve it. Sheep's yeah. are all in for bad wolf Whoa. PR. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, that just shattered which, something for me. Unrelated, hoity, like toity motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> which, by the way, the 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 fact that like there would in this record-breaking skyscraper somehow be a tennis ball manufacturer yeah. or seamstresses and I'm like, none of them like i appreciate it that seem like the wrong kind of businesses that entirely would ever entirely not in those businesses yeah. but unless like suddenly there's some sort in like 50 years when silicon valley starts up and then they're like we've got tennis it's with one s and a y and with they one like, n yeah one n and a y <laughs> and they like manufacture bespoke tennis balls in which case like yeah that's possible. that could easily happen but i mean like it's more just a case of like sometimes when i'm writing something i just come through 
uh, with some fact that I learned the other yeah. day when I was hanging out on Wikipedia and I was like, how do I fit this in here? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it is a great like, fact. What Behind do do? the writer's process. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, you just got to shoehorn it in. And <laughs> yeah. Like, wow, I learned about wool and silk and I don't want to waste that. <laughs> yeah. And I fully believe that Steve McQueen would in that situation ask that question. I was yes. just like, if, He's got to be Paul thorough. Newman had said, yes, there are. I would have been like, absolutely not. He but did have to ask. He, he had did to need ask. to know. And it was a great fact. You're correct. I will say for weird moments of information in this movie, there's like Robert Wagner like has sex with his secretary. And then he's like, you know, what's crazy? Like you can't, there's no visible evidence of having had sex with a woman. Look, you know, we've just, we've just slept together and you look like you could go to church right now. And it's like, what visible? She's got like, just buckets of cum looking out of her. Like, she's like, sure, not visible to you. And she like waddles to the bathroom. Like, okay. Like, what thank do you, you so much for saying it? Because in my head, I was like, I guess they use condoms. But thank yeah. you. Yes. I didn't realize Claire Denis uh, directed this. Yeah, exactly. I, like, what? what is That's he? That's the fuck room. <laughs> In his in his office bedroom, like what did he want in that moment though? Like, did he want like a, like her to have like a name tag on? Like, what was the like? He he's just like he's bemused, but it's like, isn't it crazy? And it's like, no, Robert, it's not. Like, it's not. It's not a fun fact. Like, what? Why did you bring this up? I'd like to think it was a studio note where they had to go back and reshoot, and they're like, we are we're unclear on what happened between Robert Wagner and his secretary. She's not wearing pants, but we don't know why. Can you go back? <laughs> And explain a little further. And then they had to add that line we in. We don't know why. We don't know why she's not wearing pants. It's important for that continuity for us to understand. Like, yeah. You, I yeah. mean, it's not, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, in order to understand why she doesn't have pants on when she dies. Yeah, there was yeah. no yeah, good sense I just to that. Don't, I just don't think most people cared if, if. They knew they were just like, oh, I guess she's not wearing pants. Yeah. <laughs> what an inefficient secretary without her pants yeah, on. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. I will say uh, what I, uh, I think I really appreciated about this movie in its like in its grisliness with it, with death was the, the I think where you really know that this movie is not going to hold back is when the elevator of people catches oh, on fire. Yeah on one floor and then it goes up to the promenade floor and opens again where all the party goers yeah. see the doors open and there is a pile of smoldering bodies laying yeah. in front of them and people react pretty calmly like there are a few loose screams but it should have been kind of pandemonium like Poseidon levels of pandemonium at that moment well they've all been drinking <laughs> and I genuinely don't know if they would process like Oh, the like, guy, and they're rich. They've been sacrificing yeah. people for years. The guy running off the elevator covered in fire, like so much great stuntmen covered oh, in fire. So in this many. Movie. The you guy don't who get plays, that much anymore, and it's the really guy who satisfying. plays Will was covered in fire. Yep. Uh, there was the elevator guy. Robert Wagner's character's covered in fire. Like there were so many people who were just, just fire. Every, it was great. Um, which makes me sound like I was into it, but like it was, <laughs> no, I, we don't, I feel like we don't get like the, 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 the stunt man running, mm-hmm. waving his arms on fire a yeah. lot these days. And it's just, it's just an, it's a nice thing to see in, it is. in film craft. Those, those stunt men are putting in the work. Yeah. Um, you had, hold on. You had an interesting fact you said about Bill Holden, Steve McQueen and Paul Newman about like where they were. Cause we were talking before we recorded, we were talking about how like the only two people who could go up against Bill Holden would have to be the joint forces of Newman and McQueen to be like, 
they those two and it's what 79 or 77 oh yeah, yeah like the billing like the mm-hmm. the credits billing and yeah, because bill holden was like his star was kind of fading a little mm-hmm. bit yeah so he what he hadn't had like any kind of box office success and like they like these three men had a very big fight behind the scenes about who was the one who was the the star oh really oh, really yeah so they didn't really know. Um, Bill Holden was... This is like the, this is what we see in The Fast and the Furious now. Essentially, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bill Holden was just denied pretty early on. The studio was just like, no, you very clearly lose out of these three yeah. right <laughs> what now. What we know for sure, Bill. Yeah, but if you look at the, um, the credits again, they are uh, diagonal. Oh. So Steve McQueen is lower, but um, he's on the left. And then Paul Newman is up higher and up on the right. Whoa. So they share a top oh. building, billing, but it's also um, the first time it has ever happened. Wow. And so they've been using that ever since because they've had um, movies with multiple stars as opposed to one star who's leading it surrounded by character actors. That is my favorite level of like lead actor, you know, pettiness. It's like, wow, I, get, yeah. I, get, I get bottom left. Okay, well, I get top right. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah looking insane. at it like when you see it on like the movie posters, you yeah. know, like you see that that order of casting, and obviously oh. the the famously enigmatic endgame title sequence. Yeah, mm-hmm. the ultimate what the fuck was this negotiation process? I think speaking of Fast and Furious, I think that even extended to <clears throat> not just the actor names, but also the title of Hobbs and Shaw. I'm pretty sure the design was lower left Hobbs, upper right Shaw. I'm gonna it's look this up right entirely now. because possible. I'm sure they went through tons of like back and forth of like, no, it's Shaw and Hobbs, no, it's Hobbs and shot no it's Sean well like, and it, like they make they make Jason Statham look like he's just about an inch shorter than the rock that entire movie <laughs> through truly yeah. the magic of cinema okay no it is not but yes okay thank god but yeah they are I mean like when you look at the actual poster other than the fact that the rock's head is much larger than Jason Statham's mm. but they've also done a lot of playing with the angles of people's yeah. heads in order to oh yeah J- Dwayne is so the name wise Dwayne is lower and Jason is left is upper right Look at that. Wow. But Petty. and then they they got away with it because they put the whole title sequence on an angle. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um so I was wrong with timeline wise because I thought I didn't bother Googling anything and I thought this happened late seventies. This was earlier than I thought. This was seventy four. Oh seventy four, yeah. So one I was wrong with nineteen seventy seven is when World the World Trade Center is built. So this precedes World Trade Center. Got it. Um, oh, so the, the people who were designing the World Trade Center were just like, wonderful. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, but Great this, idea. This also precedes by two years uh, network. Oh, okay. So instead of this being the first time that, this is actually the first way that Faye Dunway and um, Bill Holden are in a movie together. Oh, okay. I would assume. And then that would be really interesting. So that makes network almost like, his new star turn knowing now what you've said. Yeah. Like he was trying to rebuild himself. Yeah. With that one. Yeah. Does that take us to the end of the reality index? Yeah. I th- Anything anybody wants to add? No, no I, I think I've touched yeah. on my points. And even with like the things that we didn't find believable, I still also was like, none of it bothered me. Nope, none of it bothered. It all felt it all felt appropriate in world. Yeah, I was just like, there were things where I was like, eh, yeah, sure, fine. Yeah, yeah. So then that takes us to the grand affair of what is this movie really about? Who wants to kick that off? The hubris of architects. <laughs> sure. Specifically the architects. We're going with the architects. That's that's my take. Okay. Okay. I or love that. the dangers of gentrification. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it can be both. You know. It's yeah. Like the, oh yeah. Yeah. We're not here to limit anybody's spirit. They kind of yeah. work hand in hand. You yeah. Know? Exactly. Yeah. They're complementary. 
and like as you as you mentioned before, uh, architecture c- can be evil. Yeah, yeah. So malevolent architecture. Yeah. Um, I wish I'd read Atlas Shrugged. I don't wish I had read it, but I do wish I had like read the Wikipedia on it to be able to tie it back in now with Atlas Shrugged. One of the one of the most surprising things about myself to me is that I love Atlas Shrugged. I skipped the entire chapter. I am John Galt because it's just the theory of objectivism laid Mm. out, and it's just so fucking boring. It's excruciating, and it's the longest (laughs) chapter in the book. But I love Atlas Shrugged. Okay, because I can so clearly picture it in my mind as a movie. And mm. I so clearly see Angelina Jolie as Dagny Taggart. Remember that movie they made in like three months uh, just to keep the film rights for Atlas Shrugged? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, was that so the one good. that starred Taylor Schilling? I think so. I mean, it's, I think they it's did, the only It was one. like they did Atlas Shrugged part one and Atlas Shrugged part two. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure she's in part one. Yeah. But then not part two because yeah. I'm, I think Orange is the New Black happened. In the and those movies were only made to secure rights. Like they didn't intend for those to, <laughs> to uh, actually be successful. They were just like, well, fuck, this license is about to expire. Let's... Uh, uh, yeah. It's like a Roger Corman Fantastic Four situation. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with this movie is about, you know, it's obviously a macro concept. We have Steve McQueen expressing, like, you keep building them up and, like, we keep putting out the fires. And um, what is, is it, I think it's Paul Newman's character who, it's either Paul Newman's, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's Paul Newman's character who who calls the burned out shell of the glass tower a kind of, he says they should leave it standing just the way it is as a kind of statue to all the bullshit yeah. in the world. It was a very good sentence. Which San Francisco, as much as I love it, it is an embattled place in my heart and it can feel like a statue to all of the bullshit in the world. And I think this movie is like a, it is a prescient forbearer to the hubris of the titans of tech industry that have overrun Silicon Valley and have failed to ask the could or should, can or should questions, and have failed to take into account the human element a la enlisting architects to build sterile and inhospitable and threatening spaces, and just a movie that has within it a monument to the poison that is late capitalism and the very very meteor movie Mm. sort of statement against the state and the bureaucracy as we watch the glass tower burn we watch in my my fantastical realm the the arrogance and the false like libertarian world bettering faux sincerity of the Silicon Valley elite just thinking that they're building utopia with their fucking tip calculators when they're just strip mining like the state of the intellectual the, the intellectual state of the world for their own gain. This building is present day Silicon Valley to me, and I would like to watch it burn. Wow. So that was very satisfying. I to think me. Jordan just raised her cap in Q4 for her presidential yeah. campaign. <laughs> Jordan. There's a lot of people who maxed out their donation. <laughs> This was beautiful. This was every every episode. I kind of look forward to like the Jordan monologue of the episode where she yeah. overpronounces and like uh-huh. has just a, a full through line. And it was almost like I, I, I grew up working on cars and oftentimes, <laughs> you know, you'll work on a little car. You'll have a really nice engine in there. But like sometimes it takes a minute. You got to like, you know, pump the clutch. You got to flood the carburetor sure. sometimes. You know, it takes a, a few s- tries to get started. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I felt like right at the beginning, you were kind of searching for your words. And I was like, oh, man, I was. Is this is this not going to happen? Was. Is this not going to happen? And then you just 
fucking she always makes it it up all cylinders (laughs) firing perfectly in time i I process i I process in 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 progress that was so satisfying i genuinely want us to have a live show not necessarily because i'm a narcissist but also because like watching you do this is so fun and at one point she's pointed she pointed at april then she pointed (laughs) at me and it was like this just so passionate and so it just comes out of nowhere and it is completely off the top of your head it is every time it is it is winging it yeah and you never feel anything more deeply than you whatever words you're saying in that moment (laughs) nope love it nope nope i like to as you said the presidential campaign it must it must it must carry on i like to think when you write your your pieces that you just walk around with like a recorder and just (laughs) ad lib them into it and just have like a google uh whatever yeah i do talk i do talk them often so yes you're not wrong Ah, about that um but then that will bring us into dream casting yeah because my my what's this really about this week is just like pretty on the on the nose, so oh, to speak. Oh, right, uh, yeah, that's right, that's right. No, I, mine's on it. I realized on the drive home, I was like, "Is this too, too obvious?" Uh-huh. Um, and then I was like, "I don't have to kill God every week." <laughs> I told uh, April about your yeah. tendency to to kill God. It's not every week. It's only for two movies, but it's just really striking when it happens. Yeah. In this case, um, eh, this is about penises. Okay, it's a movie about penises, guys. Yep, uh, not wrong. Pretty much every character in this movie who does anything, who says anything, is a dude. There's like three women in it. And all together, they maybe make one whole. Yeah. And like, they don't really, we don't know much about them. They don't do much. They don't really particularly make any difference to the storyline. Like Faye Dunaway's character can be completely cut out of it. Yeah. Uh, the son-in-law can just be the shitty son. Yeah. The daughter of the developer could go. Yeah. She can go completely and he can just be the shitty son. Um, <laughs> like the only character who kind of matters is Fred Astaire's girlfriend who dies. Mm-hmm. Um but like, even in that case, you could still have Paul Newman knowing that like there's a deaf tenant in the building whose kids need to be rescued. Like, yeah. the women are pretty much secondary on it, which mm-hmm. is fine. Don't care. Like I, that doesn't bother me. Um, but it's absolutely like penis is fighting other penises, and there's a burning penis, and it's just a lot. And like skyscrapers <laughs> are a penis. Like that yeah. is what a skyscraper is—a giant steel dick in the sky. Yeah. So it's a movie about penises. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Like yeah. that's. Not gonna quite like that's what this movie is about is about dicks and uh, sometimes you gotta make a movie about dicks. Yep. So you're saying it's a Zack Snyder film? <laughs> it's a much better saturated Zack Snyder film. <laughs> um, we definitely let's be real. If this had been a Zack Snyder film, Faye Dunaway would have had chicken cutlets in to make her boobs bigger in that dress. <laughs> not wrong. Um, so does that then that brings us to dream dream casting? Yeah. Who who wants to go? I mean. April kind of already touched upon what most of my dream casting going into this was. You cited the Trumps a few times. And yeah. I think if we remake this in 2019, it is a thinly veiled outlet. Like instead of making a Bill Holden character who's really likable, they lean into it. They make it basically a Trump like yeah. surrogate family. Um, so sure. Why not Alec Baldwin as Bill Holden's character? Oh yeah. Good not one. doing a Trump imitation, but just like everyone who's yeah. watching is like, Oh, there's a reason plays, why he's so good at that. Cause he plays Donald Trump. Yeah. I see now. Um, but I will lean into the dream casting that I made the other day on Twitter of Jodie Comer is going to play oh instead God. of the son-in-law, Jodie Comer will be playing his daughter who has been cutting corners and she'll be fully playing like Can I ask Ivanka Trump. What her accent will be. Oh no. She will be doing a straight up Ivanka Trump, Trump imitation. So she, okay. So she's going to, she's having an American, accent. an American accent. Very like those, she has those dead shark eyes. <laughs> Uh, but, like, I realized as I was watching Killing Eve the other day and I was like, oh, d- 
dead eyes like a doll's mm. from Jaws. <laughs> and she has them and Ivanka has them. So 100% Jodie Comer will be, um, will be playing Ivanka in this case. Okay. Um, and then in this, to go up against them, who do you have to go up against them? Paul Newman's character is going to be Chris Evans. Okay. Because Captain America and okay. he's so perfect for this and he has those blue eyes. Yes. Once I got to that, on my knives out kick that I'm on. <laughs> right. Steve McQueen has to become Daniel Craig. Okay, sure. Yeah. Alternately, if we decide to go with the Zuckerberg type for uh-huh. the Bill Holden character, which is really what 2019 San Francisco is. Yeah, yeah. A 32-year-old is definitely the person who then you know fucking who I'm owns going that building. With this for this one. Then what? Do you know who I'm going with on this one? Oh, wait, who? I'm going to take your casting here, girl. Oh, okay. Miles Fair. Teller becomes the Bill Holden character okay. and Ansel Elsgort becomes his right-hand man, probably his college roommate. Probably his college... Yeah, definitely. That's where the keep startup was Steve born. Keep Steve McQueen at... Maybe even keep... Just resurrect Paul Newman, do a, a CGI Paul Newman and mm-hmm. Steve McQueen. I don't know. Or keep Daniel Craig and Chris Evans. Um, but mm-hmm. in that case, that would be the smarmy little shits. Okay. Your turn. Someone else go. If I... I'm going to like hybrid it for like, cause I want to keep, I want to keep Steve McQueen. I want to keep that iteration of Paul Newman, but I'm going to make, gosh, I'm going to, well, I'm going to, I'm going to put Ansel and Miles in this and Miles is going to be the bartender who eventually dies by chest cave in when a statue falls on him. And Ansel is going to be the shitty son-in-law. Mm. <laughs> Ansel is absolutely going to be the dandy, fancy, shitty son-in-law. He needs to play more evil characters. Absolutely, he should. This is what I think. This is what I'm selling on here every week. He should play more evil characters. Um, and then I feel like I want, but I don't really know where to put him, but I feel like he should be in this movie somewhere. Maybe I want Robert Forster in here. Oh, yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe maybe Robert Forster's like playing the mayor. I don't know where to put him. Robert Forster's the head of security. Robert yeah. Forrester's going to be the head of security. I'm pretty much going to keep, because the, the parts are such bit parts, I'm pretty much going to keep them it is, but I do want Shelly Winters will play the mayor's wife. Good, yes. Yeah, I will correct history, and I will make Shelly Winters the, the mayor's wife. Can Ernest Borgnine play the, the mayor? Yeah, he might as well. He might as Yeah, well. he might as well. Okay. Any casting changes for you, April? I mean, if we were doing like a contemporary thing, I don't see how you oh, would put it. like Brad Pitt as the new Paul oh, Newman. Though. That would be really oh, yeah. good. Yeah, that would be very good. Yeah, and he's an architect. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. so right. Uh, and I'm th- trying to figure out who would be like the fire guy, who would be like the Steve McQueen opposite him, mm. who's got like the piercing blue eyes. I think Colin Farrell could be a different kind, mm. but Gerard Butler is like... I mean, this is this is his genre, man. Yeah. This is his yeah. genre. I love Gerard Butler more than I should. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's like, he's actually a really good actor if people give him... We Sunday, had a tribute you know? to him go up when Angel Has Fallen came out this year. Bilga Abiri did a tribute to the yeah, Gerard yeah. Butler movie. Yeah. So no, nothing but respect. Like Geostorm for, is real fun. Geostorm <laughs> is a great time. All of the X Has Fallen movies are very fun yeah. as well. I still haven't seen Geostorm. I'm really looking forward to when we cover it. Yeah. No, he talks to a wall a lot of <laughs> And he's like really emoting. Like, like he's a good actor. Scarlett Johansson did it? No. <laughs> <laughs> um no that i yeah that's yeah that i i love a, a go contemporary absolutely 
Okay. Who directs this contemporary? I love like, cause there's multiple versions of what the, who directs this contemporary. Len Wiseman definitely directs a version of this in contemporary life. Yeah. Roland Emmerich, obviously. I mean, I will always hire Roland Emmerich for my remakes on these things. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I still think Soderbergh could do it. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I, mean, I would yeah. love to see that. Soderbergh's capable of I would so love much. to see yeah. Steven Soderbergh or Ang, Lee, Ang Lee's uh, Towering Inferno. Ang Lee's Towering Inferno yeah. is going to like really delve into the relationship between an <laughs> architect and the architect who taught him how to architect. It'll be really poetic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like there's almost no destruction or any action at all except for like five minutes of the movie. We'll have like a really destructive scene. Everything else is just conversations I, and introspection. I, I did see a tweet the other day and this is of someone being like I can't wait for Ryan Johnson to make to get all of his friends together and make a, a disaster movie like the Poseidon Adventure. Yeah, and as soon as I saw that, I was like, one, I want to write that, and two, <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Yeah, and so it might be Ryan. Okay, hey, I, that's would, a, I would maybe I especially if we're getting Chris and Daniel on this one. In I want to watch it. Then I'm going to have Ryan. Ryan's going to be on it. So does that then bring us to how many towering infernos does the towering inferno get? Yeah, all of them. All oh, of them. You're giving it five. It's yeah. five. It's five out of five Tower Infernos the, for April. The prototype of yeah. the <laughs> It was Towering Inferno. I, you know, I, I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it four point five Towering Infernos. I'm also coming in at four point five. Like it's it, again, it's maybe it is definitely more emotional. I still think I would rank Poseidon a little higher personally. Oh. I liked Poseidon better. Okay. I don't remember where I put Poseidon on this. I would just, in my mental, like, if yeah. someone's like, you get to watch three disaster movies and one of them has to be either Poseidon or Towering Inferno, I'd be like Poseidon. So, and Amanda's watching Volcano, Poseidon, and, yeah. and then whatever, the third <laughs> and whatever else. Probably the core. Um, <laughs> oh, definitely. I really do love that movie. Um, but yeah, I think I go 4.5. It's so good. I mean, because it's just a good movie independent of It the, is a classic. It is a classic film. Independent of the film. disaster aspect of it. Apparently, um, so I know this through through uh, The Gentleman that mm-hmm. I am seeing. Um, <laughs> well, how uncomfortable. I didn't know I was like, through, through my dean. And I'm like, that makes me sound like I have a, a, somebody who specifically is administration for me. Um, <laughs> But apparently Fred Astaire uh, got like sort of a, an Oscar nomination of like a congratulations, you're old, you're still in movies, sort of Oscar nomination. Lifetime for, achievement. Yeah, for this, uh-huh. which like, again, is absolutely, that's a Judy Dench in, um, <laughs> in Shakespeare in Love sort of nomination. Uh, sure. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, okay, cool. We're just happy to see you here. Yeah. Yeah. He, he never got any other Oscar nominations and they were like, oh shit. We're running out of time. Oh, he was like really good and we took. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah like this which you know what didn't necessarily deserve it for this but god am i so glad he was in this movie right i genuinely no, like, i realized great. three quarters of the way through, i was like all i cared about in this movie truly about who would make it out alive i was like if fred astaire doesn't make it and the cat doesn't make it i am rioting <laughs> and at the end of the movie fred astaire is holding the cat and i was like good cool done. yeah we're good they, we're all yeah, good absolutely Thank god. so yeah. do you have a towering inferno score in this jason or did you watch uh, I mean, look, my, my watch was a little truncated. The, That's fair. The, yeah. the cast of the uh, Teenage Witch uh, was very demanding this particular <laughs> week. But uh, that being said, based off of uh, what I did see, uh, about a four and a half, yeah. yeah. All right. It's all yeah. been good. Like, the fact that you can only get this by buying it on Amazon, yes. I regret nothing about owning it. No, no, no. I will revisit yeah. this. Yeah, 100%. I'll have a movie night for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Please do. You'll make like a spicy taco. 
Of a, a towering and inferno taco. Oh yeah, we'll just do we'll do a we'll a do a flaming onion night. tower just for fun. Oh, I think yeah, you might need to do nachos instead of a taco. Ooh, though, that you can good. like layer them. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a good call. Nacho tower. Yeah. That's a yeah. Call. All right. Well, that I think that brings us to the end then yeah. of dissecting the the very important to us towering inferno. I'm glad we're all on the same yeah. page about this now. Mm. And this brings us to the end of what I would consider our first season of Disaster Girls. Yeah. It does. Yeah, because we're taking mm. the next two weeks off um, because it's um, nationally recognized holidays. Yes. And we, some of us have lives and some of us work in retail. So <laughs> what is what are what will be next on the docket for folks so, when we return? We come back. Our next episode will be dropping on uh, January 8th. Mm-hmm. So one week exactly after the new year, should we all make it to then. Mm. Um, and that will be the 1999 cinematic classic, uh, Shark Attack. <laughs> Starring a cast as as wide ranging as Casper, Casper Van, Van Dean. Dean. Yeah. Oh. And uh friend of the pod i'd like to thank ernie hudson <laughs> big fans i mean we big fans we, we, here ernie, in house i'm sure you're listening because we are ernie stands yes um <laughs> we're ernie hud stands <laughs> that was a good that jason was, that was fucking that's sweaty. gonna be that is gonna be one of our t-shirts when we start making merch okay <laughs> don't you laugh that's gonna sell um but, so that's coming back on we're coming back on the eighth with shark attack you can find that for free on tubi okay mm. so uh save tubi your christmas money or not tubi mm-hmm. <laughs> And th- how was that better, Jason, than Ernie <laughs> It Hudson's? wasn't. It Thank wasn't. You. I regretted it as soon as it came out of my mouth. I'll yeah. be honest. Um, Enjoy your holidays then, Yeah, everybody. but you know what? All I want for Christmas, Jordan, I want some ratings and reviews. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, please send us some rating and reviews. I think there's one that we haven't uh, read on the show yet, and so we'll, uh, we'll shoot that before uh, we're done. But I do, since April uh, is joining us today, April, please what do you want to promote? give your plugs. Yeah. First off, let them know where you're on social media, but also, uh, you know, if you have any, if you happen to have any movies that are like out in theaters right now or anything right. like oh, that. Right, yeah. yeah. Okay, you know, yeah. Um, Hard to keep track of, but. So... Um, uh, you should see Black Christmas. Yes, yeah. you should yes, see you Black should. Christmas. Yes. If you like um, fun, mm-hmm. uh, kind of campy, mm-hmm. sometimes goofy, and also sometimes scary movies. Yeah. And, the, uh, and any heroic performance by Imogen Poots. Yeah, she's really wonderful. And there's actually so many great performances in this movie that, um, that, you know, it's just, a, it's a pretty fun film it is it's a fun movie yeah go see a fun movie um and hopefully you'll be energized afterwards to smash your patriarchy yeah, uh, yeah. smash your local patriarchy yep everyone. yep participate and you can always find me on twitter too much uh <laughs> a wolfful like it's a handful but a wolfful oh that's fun oh yes 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 uh so yeah that's oh that's me. why you're pro wolf <laughs> other reasons strictly that wasn't a bit i genuinely that that just clicked in my head there's other reasons yeah i can't believe that took you that long it really did i'm dumb jason i'm an idiot okay that's kind of hilarious i'm very happy about this uh go see black christmas god go see black christmas or buy the ticket and then don't see it because you're a coward but buy it and you just go see it give it to give it to a a tween girl who might want to see it yes Yes. please if you see a child wandering a mall that has a movie theater and it just hand it to that preteen and let him let him rip yep (laughs) send him off into the world that's great uh social shout outs disaster underscore pod on twitter yeah Mm -hmm. uh we're disastergirlspod at gmail.com mm-hmm. Jordan where can we find you for Twitters at 
Jor Crew, J-O-R-C-R-U. And I am at Amanda R. Tubbs, and that's Tubbs with two Bs. Mm-hmm. Two Bs, like two Bs. Yeah, it's, it's that, the joke's <laughs> never going anywhere. Nope, two Bs not going no, anywhere. It's Stop not going workshopping anywhere. your terrible two B jokes. I'm sorry, I've got a type five that i got to get ready. Um, I'm at Jason Halftones on everything. All right. Okay. Um, so, guys, we'll see you. Do we want to read? Did you find the... Oh, I did find it. You I, got so distracted petting the dog. The dog is he great to pet. He got super into petting the dog yeah. and just zoned out. Well, it's fun to, like, flap his ear around. Yeah, All right, what is, so it? what is it? What is it? What is it? The review is from Pad Rob. It is five stars. It says, Disaster Fun. Uh, and it reads, I listened for the first time to hear their take on Alligator, one of my favorites. From and I Forster. smiled or laughed through the whole thing. Thank you. They are fun, and listening to their takes is so enjoyable. I definitely recommend giving them a listen, unless you hate fun. I can't wait to see what other movies they'll review. Thank you. Thank you we so appreciate much. That. We Absolutely. hope that since Alligator a few weeks ago that we've kept up the <clears throat> kept this one up for yeah, you. Yeah, that was kind of an old review. Yeah, so, so uh, yeah. you specifically have a happy holidays person. The Pad rest Rob. of you who haven't rated and reviewed us, specifically with five stars, because badly. we have gotten like one one-star review, and you don't get a happy holidays no. either. If you have any questions, hesitate to call. Yeah. Mm. Give, us, give, us, uh, give us the holiday gift of uh, some nice reviews and ratings. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see you guys back in the new year for, tu- for Tubi for Shark Attack. <laughs> Bye. Bye. That might be cool.com. You never know. <laughs>